Welcome to the Red Dove Podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Blue. And I'm Shonda. And tonight we will be doing a Red Dove Tale. But first, how was everyone's Thanksgiving? Virtual, I hope. Yes. <laughs> yep. It was, it was good. Very, it was very nice. I was talking to my sister um, the day before Thanksgiving. And she, I, we grew up military, so we never had um extended family it was always just us our parents and our our siblings doing thanksgiving so i was like it's a nice kind of return to what we're used to nice just kind of us and our kids and our husbands nice really nice mm-hmm. that's cool nice. what about you blue for me it was same like you were saying virtual small i drove down to my brother's there's actually of course now that we're rolling some background noise which is cool because I'm sitting in the car. I feel like a true podcaster right now because I'm like on the road. But anyway, yes. so yeah, it was great. It was virtual. But as I was telling you guys, a lot of my family is older. So we did a Zoom for like my grandmother and her siblings. And mm-hmm. most of the conversation was like, can you hear me? Can you hear oh, me? Lord Jesus. How do I do this? How do I do that? Why can't nope. I see everybody? I'm on a phone, but I'm talking to Echo. So it was a really eventful and funny situation, but it was great <laughs> to see everybody. Like my cousin was riding his bike through New York, um, like Brooklyn. It was dope. It was a lot of fun just to see everybody and know everybody was okay and still reach out in this crazy yeah. time. Yeah. Nice. That's what's up. How about you, Liz? Mm. Yeah, small. Um, just the family. My son's tooth came out at the end of the night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's been working on that tooth for weeks. I'm glad he finally got it out. Right. <laughs> I'm so happy it came out at a an older age, families, just in case anybody's listening. That's because of not eating candy every day. So I love that's my favorite part about it because he's not mm-hmm. forward losing his first tooth. No, he's yeah. 20. Yeah. You know, he's 20. Whatever. <laughs> he's eight. <laughs> he just turned eight. My healthy age. Mm-hmm. He said to TJ, he said, oh, mom said she got a quarter when the, from the tooth fairy, but I hear the tooth fairy's been stepping it up. She's giving out $5. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what parent did this? Right, right. <laughs> I did that. I gave Alicia five dollars for her teeth. <laughs> yeah, but Maybe I got the news kids. from. I have yeah, two kids. I, yeah, times I thirty two teeth. Ones. Yeah, I spaced them out enough. <laughs> that is funny. Ten years. Let me get my tooth fairy coffers up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we forgot. So. She woke up at like five or something, and I, and he and Izzy asked, "Did the tooth fairy come?" He's like, "I don't know. I didn't check under my pillow yet." Like, he I don't know check. why. That's <laughs> the money, man. Like, you know, he right? his money. I'm shocked. He That's not the first thing he looked for. Right, or sleep with his hand <laughs> under his pillow. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I snuck in there and I like stuck the tooth down my bra, like just to like get out, like ninja style. that's sweet though those are the times things we do to keep their little imaginations or their their imaginary innocence alive 
Yes. It's so crazy. Like I, I never told Alasia about Santa because I, when I tell you I was devastated when I found out Santa didn't exist, like I feel like my parents were liars and mm-hmm. they've been lying to me all my life and I'm like, I don't trust them. So my, <laughs> my kid. And I'm not giving all this hard ass work credit to some old white man. Like I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do Santa Claus around here. <laughs> I can't front. I was definitely devastated when your cousin told me. I remember we were at an assembly and she broke the news and I was like, what? It's always a classmate too that fucking bless you. Just let me live in my little innocent world. I don't need to know that. Yes. I'll never forget that. Yes, Yes. I just was looking like, what? (laughs) No, because I like I was sussing things out. I remember asking, like, we didn't have a chimney. So I was like, Daddy, how the heck is Santa gonna get in our house? We don't have a chimney. He was like, oh, for the house that don't have a chimney, there's a special key so he can get into the house and drop the gift. I'm like, all right, all right, that makes sense. Cool. And then the next year, <laughs> I noticed that Santa, <laughs> Santa Claus and my dad had the same handwriting. So I'm like, daddy, why does Santa Claus have the same handwriting? He's like, he, wrote, he writes the, um, wrote the little tags. And my dad's like, oh, he was running out of time, so he asked me to write these tags for him. I was like, all right, bet that makes sense too. So like, you know, <laughs> what, like, listen, if you got an inquisitive kid that's like putting shit together, just tell me the truth. Like, what? Right. Right. She like, still heard about I'm, it. I'm yes, I'm still upset. There were. I'm big mad. So I'm not doing that to my babies. Poor thing. Poor thing. The life we live. Sounds like. Sounds like some people's discovery of recent politicians. Yes. <laughs> Devastation. Exactly. <laughs> Devastation and <laughs> despair. Right? Mm-mm. <laughs> Sorry to no, go I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to see what these new kiddos will be like, the ones that don't believe in Santa and just walk around yeah. and do their own thing. <laughs> I know. Well, we'll see. Like, Alaysia, she's pretty, she's a good kid. She's not like, I'm like, don't go to school telling everybody there's no stand. Like, don't be an asshole. But, like, I'm not going to pump your head so full of fairy tales. Just for you to be that, like, I don't know. Maybe because she's, she's five, born five days after me. We're both kind of like, we're a lot, we're very similar. Like, I Mm -hmm. think she'd take it hard too. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to put that on her. We'll see. That's funny. Yeah, and she didn't ruin it for anyone else, which is nice of her. True. <laughs> True. I don't think I could trust Jude. No, Jude would tell Izzy as soon as he found out. True. Jude would be like, listen. <laughs> He'd be mad, Are too. you sitting down? Fine. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah, I think Jude would definitely be that kid in class. Like, listen, I got an announcement, guys. Right. <laughs> Right. I've been lying to you. Right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I don't even think we should trust anything they say. I don't know if they know. Yeah, what like they know. vegetables aren't good for that. you. Yeah, exactly. Like the whole thing, the whole card, uh, house of cards will fall. Right. <laughs> well, he'll find out soon. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't even questioned it. He's eight. And I thought, Perhaps there'd be questions, but no, he's like all in. Hey, That's cute though. It is. Live your life as a child. Mm-hmm. That's as the same long thing. as you can. Yep. Yep. I was listening to this other podcast 
um, not too long ago, and she was talking about, actually, I was really excited that she was talking about it. I'll mention her name at a later date because I don't want to mess it up. But I was excited that she had this episode, which actually I'm really late listening to her podcast. <laughs> Excuse me. But she was talking about privilege. And like, as I think about those things, I appreciate and I love, because even when she was talking about it more so from a race standpoint, I still mm-hmm. like, there are always times when you can check yourself, at least I feel. So mm-hmm. oh, I absolutely. think it's so beautiful. Yeah, you know, that the babies that we love, are fortunate enough to be children within this time. And all you can do is like send, not all you can do, there's so much more you can do. I pray often for babies that don't have the opportunity to still be reminded that they're babies during this time. You know? Yeah, they're growing up too fast. Right. Especially now with what we're dealing with, like it's hard. You know, I was listening Mm -hmm. to something the other day about, actually, yeah, I was from the same podcast. She was reading a quote and she was talking about um, not having privilege, what that looks like, you know, not knowing mm. where your meal is coming from, not having someone to check on you, yeah. not having a consistent home, all of those things. So yeah. it's definitely something to reflect upon during this time and then think about how you can contribute. And some of the best Absolutely. ways I feel, yeah, that people can contribute are always donating time to read to children at schools. Um, schools mm. always need volunteers. And then also, even though we can't give a lot of things, like Liz is very good for donating cash to people that are trying to get the money to people who need it. So, mm-hmm. you know, those are, that's just one of my reflection periods within the, the season of thanks, regardless of whether we appreciate the reference with it towards, you know, people in this country. Um, still, if we're going to use it as a reflective time, let's use it as a time to grow. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And to check your privilege. Like I, I never thought of myself as having privilege. I was talking to my husband last night and as a child of divorce, I'm like, well, my parents were divorced, blah, blah, blah. That's something that I carry. And we're talking about our, our, like our Christmases growing up. I was like, yeah, my mom, I was telling him how uh, that story about my dad. And he's like, oh, you're just going to flex with me that you had a dad? Like, oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And I never thought of it that way. Like, that's absolutely right. Like, he didn't grow up with a dad. So it is kind of a weird flex. Like, yeah, my dad did this. He's like, yeah, I didn't have one, one of those. So yes. Check your yes. privilege. Be like, oh, my bad. <laughs> yes. And that yes. is segue, which again, Liz, of course, I'll get more things written down. But that is essentially the blues, right? Like the mm-hmm. the concept of checking your privilege and just the consideration of just like you said not telling yourself that oh you should feel bad because somebody else didn't but changing the perspective so like you said like even having um parents that are divorced like you said you may be carrying that in one way but what other way can you choose to carry that you know exactly yeah deep It's a call to action. It's, it's, you yeah. don't need to just sit in the guilt. There's oh, things that you can not. do. I like no. it. And it's literally like, it really does come down to what your perception is. Because I remember being a child and being like, I wish, like, you know, not going too deep, but we all have our own stories of what life was like, right? In that house with those two adults who were trying to mm-hmm. figure it out, just like we are today. 
And I'm like yeah. telling my parents, my friends whose parents have already gotten to that place. I'm like, I wish. And they're like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like, but that was the child perception. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe if they're in two separate houses, then things will be better. And then I'll get two of everything and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you know? No. But it, yeah, yeah. It's like that child view. So, and we think of it as a child view. But is it okay to sit in a child view sometime to make, just look at things from a different perspective? Because even mm-hmm. like, you know, your husband said, but I didn't have one though. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, right. I, it's, you don't really think about the, like, you don't think about the child without a father. Like you, you think about it as like a statistic, but you don't really think about the ramifications of not having a dad. Like it's, that's not a world that I know. Yes. And just kind of those little things, those little, those little anecdotes and little stories that I have, it's something that's so foreign to him. Yes. Um, and I have to to um be empathetic to that. Yes. And it's great that he shares that with you. I mean, just period people like people in general, I think um it's important to stop, like you said, and that hits you like a ton of points, like you heard it. You received it and you responded to it. You know, you, yeah. you didn't just hear it, but you listened, you know, or listened, yeah. but you heard it. Whatever way we flip in, we say that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, like I think that's so important because when people speak, they do want to be heard and acknowledged. And so many people will sit and just listen, but not respond. So yeah. that's a beautiful thing for you all. And so... I'm not like a call to action, like going into the winter season, like support local and buy black from black owned businesses. And there's like a lot of uh, charity drives to provide food to, to the needy and gifts. So, be, you know, open your eyes and look for those opportunities. Yeah. And- I'm sorry, Liz, I got to throw this out there, but also praying again for those that are actively out doing the work with the people, Mm. um, sod country cooking. I do want to shout her out because she does amazing work in North Philadelphia for her community and she's battling COVID right now. Like it's deep, um, to see, you know, what she's going through, but she has not stopped giving and being a part and contributing, you know, and that is dedication. She's been, I'm sure, trying to social distance the best that she could. But when mm-hmm. you're providing, you're interacting, you know, mm-hmm. and she's seen as a source of help in the community. So definitely also praying for those that are out because it still does have to be done. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about her and the work that she does? So she is a chef in North Philly. She has a restaurant, Country Cooking. Um, You can follow her on Instagram, I believe, at Country Cooking One. And she, you know, is from there. I believe her brother was a um, NBA player. And I'll get more information so people can definitely follow her, support her. But she supports Black businesses beyond belief. Um, supports her community um, and tries to make sure that she gives back whenever she can. And a lot of times it's regarding food, 
But in particular, she does a really big giveaway for the kids this time of year. So I'm sure that that's also hard for her and her family because this is one of their main community events. So like even for me, I'm not from the community, but I'm, I'm well aware of it. And I feel for her, you know, definitely praying for her that she will recover and have a safe and quick recovery. But it's sad, you know, it's very, very sad. What was her name, Blue? I have to get you more information. She's known as Saud, S-A-U-D, at Country Cooking One on Thank Instagram. You. But awesome. I'll get you more That's info cool. what her real name is. Yeah, or we'll her... follow up. That sounds awesome. Thank yeah. you for letting us know. Dip our toes into a dovetail every once in a while. And on the Red Dove, a dovetail is a story from the Americas. We, we decided, we took a team meeting. We're like, forget America, we're gonna do both North and South America, the continent. So we're doing a dovetail. Tonight we're gonna discuss the story of Sister Rosetta Tharp, born Rosetta Newbin in Cotton Plant, Arkansas in 1915 to Katie Bell and Willis Atkins. Cotton plant, Arkansas, right off the bat. Yeah, it sounds like a horrible place to be. I wouldn't. <laughs> right. Like, I know what I'll be doing here. Right. You know what you're coming for. Exactly. There's one career goal in cotton plant, <laughs> Arkansas. <laughs> Rosetta's parents were both passionate about music, and Katie encouraged Rosetta to perform in their church, the Church of God in Christ, where Katie was a preacher, which is, I don't know if that's common. I thought that was pretty cool, but mm-hmm. it's a Pentecostal church. It seems pretty forward thinking, like to have a female preacher. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, 1915, like that is kind of, that's, that's crazy. Okay, yeah, thank you. Cause I was like, at first I was like, oh, maybe it's totally common. I don't know. Pentecostal but Katie and I think Katie down the road is a very positive influence on Rosetta but I digress at four years old Rosetta was a self-taught guitarist and described as a musical prodigy by six Rosetta was a featured performer performer in a traveling evangelical troupe where she accompanied her mother to gospel concerts all across the country, playing with people like Duke Ellington. By the mid-1920s, Rosetta and Katie settle in Chicago, where they continued performing spiritual music. And traveling influenced Rosetta a lot, and her music was flavored both by urban contemporary and the sounds of rural backwoods towns. She began fusing Delta blues, New Orleans jazz, and gospel music into what would become her signature style. Rosetta honed her skills as a guitarist on street corners and at revivals before eventually hitting the gospel circuit. It was during that period, Rosetta met her lifelong friend, Roxy Moore, while performing in Baltimore. She could play a guitar like nobody else you've ever seen, Moore said, 
People would flock to see her. Everybody loved her. In 1938, Rosa was 19 and met and married Thomas Thorpe, a preacher. The next year, Rosetta left her husband, but used the word Tharp, a variation on her husband's last name Thorpe, as her stage name. So, and the sister Rosetta Tharp is born, you could say. Mm -hmm. That's she, cool. uh, right? Yeah, I like that she just did a little change. Like, I'm still going <laughs> to keep this, but... Um... Yeah, she earned it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to be attached like to you. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna make it better. Right. Send them out. Exactly. Right. I'm already known as this, so. Uh... <laughs> oh, uh, and in the same time, Rosetta left the Pentecostal church and moved to New York City, where she started playing in nightclubs and theaters. Rosetta joined the Cotton Club Review, a New York City club that became especially notable during the Prohibition era. The great talent scout, John Hammond, included her alongside Big Joe Turner, Big Bill Bronzy, Count Bassey, and others in his celebrated From Spirituals to Swing concert at Carnegie Hall. Rosetta shocked. Yeah, right? Yeah. In the mid-1940s. Right. So she's in her let's say mid-20s at this point. Mm -hmm. Killing it. Just just left the Pentecostal church and is now performing <laughs> at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Go. <laughs> Rosetta shocked and then captivated audiences at this time. Many had never seen a Black woman play an electric guitar before. Wow. But Rosetta alienated many of her church-going fans when she joined Lucky Millinder and his orchestra, but the shift to secular music was Millinder's idea. Millinder promised her she'd only have to do gospel music, says Moore, Rosetta's friend, but after she signed, he said she'd have to sing whatever. She was unhappy about it, but she did it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Like, sign the dotted lines, like Ursula. Right? <laughs> I wonder how many people have that story. All of them. Right? True. <laughs> True. <laughs> that shit's still going on. It is. Rosetta was 23 when she recorded Rock Me with the backing of Lucky Millinder's Jazz Orchestra, uh, gospel rock and roll fusion, along with three other gospel songs, My Man and I, That's All, and Lonesome Road. Rock Me showcased Tharp's distinctive guitar style and melodic blues mixed with traditional gospel music, as did the range of her voice, which resounded with conviction as she sang the words Rock Me. It's on YouTube. It's pretty powerful. She's pretty, her voice is amazing. Wow. Mm -hmm. there, there's also a, a YouTube, it's like a mashup, and it's all of her guitar solos, mm -hmm. which is really, really good. The electric oh, guitar. Check it out. Yeah. Yes, I would play it, but I, I it's a, it must be a violation of like music yeah. rights. I think. Mm-hmm. For sure. It, it's it's available. Check it out. Uh, with this song "Rock Me," she made it clear that her words could not only transcend faith, but could also represent a shift in popular music in real time. 
Rosetta was a young black woman working in a heavily male dominated industry. She wasn't shy about rattling conventions. She collaborated with heavy hitting artists of the time like Duke Ellington and the Dixie Hummingbirds. She even teamed up with the Jordanaires, an all white male group and began performing for mixed audiences. Mm -hmm. Examples of institutional racism were rampant during this time period. On tour, all restaurants and hotels were still segregated, which resulted in restaurants refusing to let Rosetta in their buildings, forcing her to pick up her food around the back end of the restaurant and her sleeping in buses as opposed to hotels. That's like the part that for me is always when I hear those things, that's the troubling part because I being a part of this generation of this time period, I can't imagine that. I can't. Yeah, it's it's really upsetting. I remember the first time seeing um, that played out in cinema. We watched Lady Sings the Blues when I was like seven. And it's about Billie Holiday's life. And I remember a part where they're on the bus trying to get out of one of their sundown towns. And the clan's like chasing and beating on the windows and stuff. And I was terrified. Right. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> I was like, what is this? It's horrifying. It's like this woman just performed for you, and you're chasing them out of town with your your pitchforks and your and your um right. torches. It was just like I it it didn't it it was very upsetting, and it it's something that as black people we have to educate our children. There are people in this in this world that just hate you off the basis of your skin color. It doesn't make any sense. You didn't do anything wrong to them. There's no rhyme or reason, but it's just, they've got hate in their heart for you and you have to navigate that world. It's, it's disgusting. It is. And it's also like, to me, in like my family, we laugh through the pain. So that's why I think that's hilarious because it also reminds me of not you being <laughs> terrified, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> because that's never funny. <laughs> But the funny part is, like, you're clinically insane. You literally were just in there dancing and having a grand old time. And now, that's why I'm saying, like, people, whoever might be listening to this, these are poor social skills. They really are. Like, maybe it was jealousy, whatever it is. That You're crazy. You're crazy. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so it doesn't. And and it is somewhat jealousy, too, because you're, I guess, mad that you have to serve this person but you're also still crazy. Like you look crazy. That's why it's like, you're right. Like just picturing it. We're minding our own business on the bus and you're running behind the bus. Trying <laughs> to break windows out. And for no reason. Shit like, is bananas. Yeah. It is. It is. It doesn't make, yeah, it's awful. And you do have like, sometimes you have to laugh to keep from crying because if you yes. really let the weight of the reality set in, I honestly... The fact that Black people haven't burned this bitch to the ground yet right. it shows how mm-hmm. strong and how gracious and how, how um, I don't know, just like, just, uh, I don't know, inherently good we are. Like, I don't know. If, right. anyone, if anyone else had the history that we have in this country, they would have burned it to the ground. Like, right. why even let something like this stand? It's so, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Know. That's it what I'm really saying. It really is. Like, it is because she's sitting here playing the guitar 
and you're talking about go in the bed. And then not only like that's the troubling part too, you're I'm with you and we're all making money because, okay, yeah, it can be a business arrangement, but we all need to at, at least acknowledge the fact if I'm getting my food from the bed, we're all getting our food from the bed. Like there's no, there's no, and, and that's there. Of course there's not going to be no loyalty, but that's, it's disgusting. It's just a disgusting pro, like part of the story pointing out the absurdity of hate and the the government that you can enjoy someone's music and then when the song's over going back to hating them it's that's absurd yeah it's definitely like like you said it's like a mental illness like there's something wrong with you right it doesn't make sense in 1944 rosetta released her version of an old time song down by the riverside and in the song in the library of congress added to the national recording registry in 2004 saying the song captures her spirit her spirited guitar playing and unique vocals demonstrating her influence on every on early rhythm and blues performers Rosetta gained a celebrity status and became a legend amongst black soldiers fighting in World War II. In 1945, Rosetta started working with Sammy Price and produced a famous spiritual single, Strange Things Happening Every Day with Decca Records. The song specifically references what was happening in the mid 1940s. World War II was ending, the atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima, Jackie Robinson had just been signed to the major leagues. The expression, strange things, helped to express the uneasiness of the bewildering events going on in the world, and Rosetta translated that seamlessly through her music. Strange things happening every day would become one of her most well-known records, and the first gospel song to cross over into the R&B top 10 charts, as well as the first rock and roll recording. By the time she was 30, Sister Rosetta Tharp had survived two marriages and various relationships with both men and women. Although she was open about her sexuality within the industry, she kept this secret from the public. Tharp eventually met her partner, Marie Knight when they teamed up with their hit Up Above My Head. The duo began touring by themselves along with their band and started taking control of their own business decisions. They toured, collaborated, and performed as two queer Black women in a relationship in the late 1940s. Wow. Sorry. That's awesome. So it's definitely revolutionary. Right? Definitely. The the mother of rock and roll, too. That song is now considered the first rock and roll song. But at the time, people had never heard any sound like that before. Mm-hmm. Right. But in 1950, the duo and the partnership split. Um, they, they remained friends the entire, her entire life, though. One year later... Rosetta married Russell Morrison, her manager. At this time, Rosetta was described as a rock star. Ira Tucker Jr., who is the lead singer with the American gospel group, the Dixie Hummingbirds said, 
you know, like Beyonce today and people like that. That's what Rosetta was to us. Wow. Rosetta had a flair for the dramatic. Rosetta and Russell's wedding took place at Griffith Stadium, a baseball stadium in Washington, D.C., where over 20,000 paying customers attended. And a yes. concert was <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's so cool. No, I <laughs> baseball stadium, twenty thousand paying customers, and a concert was recorded, recorded, and later released as an album. Ros- that's awesome. Ros- yeah. <laughs> Very nice little hustle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) are fucking expensive. Like, yes, (laughs) make your money back. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Rosetta billed the event as a wedding concert. The fans not only. (laughs) I love it. Fans not only showed up and paid money, but they brought gifts. She played her electric guitar from center field in her wedding dress. Yes. yes. She's a bad bitch. I like her a lot. <laughs> <laughs> she is goals. I like her. <laughs> Shortly after uh, her wedding, Rosetta's career began dwindling down in the U.S. when young white men started taking over the rock and roll scene and experimenting Ooh. for... <laughs> That train is never fucking late. Like, <laughs> don't you dare do anything fantastic because we're just going to come in and be mediocre at it and make more money. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> um, but again, being the bad bitch, Rosetta just took her talents to Europe and began touring there in 1957. Yep. In the <laughs> I'm out. That's what I would do. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. They would appreciate shit over here, anyways. <laughs> In the spring of 1964, Sister Rosetta Tharp participated in a European tour called the Blues and Gospel Caravan with other American music icons like Muddy Waters and blues pianist Otis Spann. It was during this tour that Rosetta performed what would become one of her most iconic performances, singing to a crowd across a train station platform in South Manchester. Dressed, I know, dressed in a luxurious fur coat and driven by a horse-drawn carriage, Tharp was... (laughs) I love it. Tharp was rock and roll royalty, whether people knew it then or not. She just had a lot of bravado and swag and was very confident and loved herself. Yeah. I and like to showed. see it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she knew exactly who the fuck she was. And she's like, you're going to take all these theatrics because why? I'm sickening and you can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> she was That's a so true cool. performer and she, it sounds like she enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. That, uh, performance is also available on youtube and it's it's pretty fantastic yeah i gotta check it out that sounds cool regardless 
of how historic and inspirational this show was, the 60s were when her popularity began to fade. A rise of male and white rock singers and musicians, as well as Tharp's devotion to recording religious material, pushed Rosetta to the fringes of the musical movements she helped inspire. Wow. And in, yeah, and inspired many she did. Everyone from Chuck Berry to, to Elvis was influenced by Tharp's musicality. During his induction speech at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Johnny Cash shouted her out as his favorite singer. Everyone from Jerry Lee Lewis to Aretha Franklin credited Rosetta as an important influence on them. Wow. Mm -hmm. She influenced Elvis Presley. She influenced Johnny Cash. She influenced Little Richard, says Tharp's biographer Gail Wald. She influenced innumerable other people who we recognize as foundational figures in rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. When, yeah. Like she literally started rock and roll. Yeah. She is she birthed all of these great prodigies, like all these people who are known as legends look up to her. Like that's really that's really right. awesome. No disrespect to any of them that followed, but well, there I go saying but. However, you are you, you appreciated the music, and you were able to mimic it. Rosetta birthed that out of nothing. Mm-hmm. That is pure music. She's born musical prodigy. Travels, hears different types of music, and from that creates a unique sound blending all of that together and we you know thank you for rock and roll because without her absolutely yeah none of us would be here Mm -hmm. yeah it's so cool when people would ask her about her music wald says she would say oh these kids in rock and roll this is just sped up rhythm and blues i've been doing that forever And um, Gail Wald's biography is one of our source materials for this uh, episode. And we'll be listing our source materials on our website, but definitely check it out. Okay. Rosetta continued touring in Europe until the end of her life. Her last known recording is from 1970 in Copenhagen. Sister Rosetta Tharp died from a stroke in Philadelphia in 1973. She had been living there with her mother in a modest home after her leg was amputated as the result of diabetes-related complications. Marie Knight was there to do the makeup and hair for her burial. Which I kind of love! They were friends. They were friends till the end. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's cute. Right? Tharp was buried in an unmarked Philly grave that has since been annotated. In 2007, Tharp was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame. And in 2017, she was voted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Recently, the Recording Academy, the people behind the Grammy Awards, announced the 2020 Special Merit Awards recipients, and among the Lifetime Achievement Award 
honorees is Sister Rosetta Tharp. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. I love her. Did she have, she didn't have any children, right? Did she have any kids? No. Okay. No. Yeah. Good for her. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Really? Oh, a few things we need to go back over. First of all, Chandra said that none of us would be here if it wasn't for rock and roll. Questionable. Second thing is... <laughs> no, not on none of us. I'm talking about the people that she she inspired. Right, I know. Joking, joking. Oh. <laughs> and Liz. Well, no, like, look, how many of us were made to rock and roll albums or some... Uh, R and B bullshit, like please, that's awesome. That is a true statement. Definitely a star, and it's beautiful. I think that we're able to. It's fun. It's enjoyable that we're able to have these conversations about these great women because they their names do need to continue to be said mm-hmm. yes so it never like the fact when i hear these stories and like the ends like she was buried in an unmarked grave like how does that even happen how do true. you do all of this in your life and then you end up in an unmarked grave that shit is so sad mm. true true it didn't have a grave marker it wasn't until later that oh, I, so I they knew she up. was there. I, like, okay. It'd be the Y'all better. Didn't, didn't have a marker, like nothing, you know, for the woman that's for the person that created rock and roll. Right. Yeah. I mean, she should have a what's that place that Elvis has? What is that stupid ass house he has? Um, and that's Graceland. what is it called? Yeah, Graceland. Graceland. Like, she should have a fucking Graceland. Right. Exactly. True. I agree. True. Mm-mm-mm. that's deep oh, wow. but thank <laughs> you sister Rosetta Tharp thank yes. you yes. and that may thank she inspire you, you. <laughs> thank you <laughs> if it weren't her, for her we wouldn't be here guys right. remember that <laughs> <laughs> well thank you both for joining us on a dovetail and we'll be doing some yeah, more welcome that was fun yes we'll do some more we had to expand the uh the geography because like america Ugh. like <laughs> <laughs> i'm so tired of this bitch i'm so over this country <laughs> But I gotta check my privilege there too. Like, then I gotta check your privilege. Like I, it could be a lot worse, but mm-hmm. it could be much better. Yes, <laughs> yeah, definitely could. And mm-hmm. I mean, the thing is too, we're kind of like oftentimes seen as the change agents, so we have to make these steps to say, like, people, mind your business, literally, like, yeah, and let stuff together. Because then other people can have some of the opportunities and hopefully all of the opportunities and more that we have. Even though sometimes it's like the man's foot is on our neck, so it feels like we don't have those opportunities, but I you know what I'm trying to you know. Yeah. But yes. (laughs) 
we'll be back with another dovetail soon. We're going to hop across the pond. Well, the border, and we're going to go to Canada. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sounds fun. We're going there literally because we can pack this shit up and go. (laughs) I need to. guys. (laughs) I got to get my kids' passports. Yes. Yes. I need it. The red dove from a different country. Right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. We can look over in America like, oh, the ghetto. No, thank you. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Sending the money to support the local grassroots. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll see where this bitch goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Red Dove. Until next time. <laughs>